0: scripture today is Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Thanks, Pam. I'm in, uh, I've got Bruce's pack. You got me? All right. Good morning, everybody. Now, if, if you don't follow Pam on Facebook, she just got engaged. So congratulations. Uh, had a great picture from 1987 uh, of her and her fiancé. Um, apparently Mr. and Miss Oak Grove, huh? 1987. All right, well, congratulations. Uh, so we're making out, so we've been um, in, a, in a sermon series, Disciple Like Jesus. And when Bruce was making out the preaching schedule, he put me on this week with Susan in the sanctuary. And... Can there be a broader topic? Just said, "Hey, the Bible and obedience." Go for it! I'm like, geez, how big, ah. So, buckle up. We're gonna be here a while. Because um, there's—I'm just kidding. We're not gonna be there that long. But uh, like, you talk about obedience and Scripture. Like the whole trajectory of the Bible is, you know, walking with in obedience with with God. It is a major theme in Scripture. And it can be, as they say, difficult and frustrating at times. Amen. In fact, uh, to bring a little humor this morning, we got that video queued up. Uh, this is a video that came out several years ago. Um, I don't feel this way about, our, the pastors do not feel this way necessarily about our congregation. But it is a, a good, it's a good, it's a funny video to illustrate obedience and frustration. So here we go. It's better with sound. Ah no, nobody can hear it. <laughs> we do we need to start over or just pun it? <laughs> we good? We just go on. We'll try again. There we go. Amen. So I, so I think we've all, I mean, let's be honest, we've all felt that way about, uh, as a parent, we've all felt that way, you've all felt that way with somebody you're in your life. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever felt that way about yourself and you're like, why can't I stop? Uh, I feel like Paul in Romans 715, I don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't. So it is the, it is the human condition But obedience is not supposed to be drudgery and feel like that. Next week we'll take communion and in the communion liturgy, we'll say our prayer of confession and pardon. And the the liturgy ends with us saying, free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. So let's talk about a life of obedience. Uh, First, just a quick note about Scripture, because we're talking about being formed by the Word, and you, know, you get 20 Christians in a room, there's going to be different ways of approaching Scripture. And a couple of really, uh, really far apart approaches that we want to address, um, you know, one year, several years ago I was in Jackson, I worked in Jackson at Christ Methodist, and we had a bunch of rooms in our youth area, they were our small group rooms, D group rooms, and one of the girls groups had decorated their room, which we allowed them to do. And they had on the wall this, an acronym for the Bible. It said, basic instructions before leaving earth. And I was like, I lovingly kind of helped them see that's not a good approach to Scripture. Uh, scripture is not uh, only obedience in order to get to go somewhere else. That's actually a, not a faithful way of understanding uh, the Word of God. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, there are those who... Understand the Bible is merely a human book that might have some good teaching in it, uh, but it's not authoritative, um, and that reason is still going to be the best way of working out everything. Somewhere in the middle, as as Methodists, uh, we are we are committed to the to the to the middle way. Somewhere in the middle is the approach I think is a healthy way of understanding Scripture as the kingdom as a kingdom orientation um, rather than than an instruction manual. It is the story of God and his people. It is a uh, God-breathed story that is authoritative for us as we understand who we are, who God is, and how we're to live. And as believers, we believe we are living out this story today that Scripture is God-breathed, it that is authoritative, and that we are getting to leave, live it out in today's world. It is forming us and it is commissioning us to be God's people in God's world. And of course, we see this commissioning in the, in the Scripture passage that Pam read this morning, that we are called to go and make disciples and teach and to be obedient as we go. Uh, so as we, as we look at that scripture, uh, the obedience, uh, of course in Matthew wrote that, uh, the words of Jesus, he's referring to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So as we approach the Sermon, we're not gonna read the Sermon on the Mount this morning. I'm just gonna refer to it. I would encourage you to go read it uh, yourself. Uh, but the Sermon on the Mount was written uh, in Matthew as the new law, the new, the, influent, the, the, uh, the, new, the new way of being human in the world. Now here's a couple observations. Uh, The call, if if you go back and read Matthew, and you see this pattern throughout scripture, the call to obedience is there. Uh, And it's very much a part of discipleship. It's very much a part of uh, following Jesus, but it always comes after the call to repentance and the call to trust. In other words, and this is very important, Obedience is the task of discipleship, not the prerequisite of discipleship. It is the task of discipleship, not the prerequisite of discipleship. Uh, the gospel, another, another way of saying that, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, is not an if-then scenario. If I follow the rules, then God will love me and accept me that gets people who are rule followers really focused on following the rules and it gets people who for whom obedience is somewhat of a dirty word to just cast it aside scripture is not seen supposed to be seen as a bunch of rules to follow it is a story to live out here's the truth about life and i i feel like we all if if we sat and started discussing our own lives we would come up with a lot of if-then scenarios in our own life. But we swim in the sea of life full of if-then scenarios. And these scenarios play off our own insecurities and our own need to belong and be accepted. Um, All the advertisers we come across know this. So their whole point and goal is to make us feel a little more insecure that we have to get what they're selling. Y'all feel that sometimes when you you look at uh, advertisements? For the younger generations, uh, Instagram and TikTok is washed with, uh, with this sense of uh, if you did this, then life would be better. If you look like this, then life would be better. Oh, no, here, here's a couple scenarios that I've jotted down as I was uh, working on this sermon. You know, if you lose 20 pounds, then you'll be happy, people like you better. If you make the right investments, then you can rest easy. If you vote the right way, then you're a good person. If you wear the right brand name, then you'll get the right attention. If you write the perfect entrance essay, you'll get accepted to the school or grad school of your choice. And for parents, if you give your kids all the right ex- uh, experiences and opportunities, then you're a good parent. As a pastor, if you write a good sermon and you deliver it well, then you'll be liked. Y'all feel that? What is your if-then? We're awash in that in life. If this, then this. And if we're not careful, we project that onto scripture. We project that onto the call to obedience and discipleship. Um, I think the biggest problem with the if-then approach is everything's conditional, everything's external, And y'all, it is, um, see if you feel this way, it is anxiety producing and flat out it is exhausting. Y'all feel that way? Y'all feel that way running through the whole gamut of if-then scenarios? However, here's the good news. The call to repent and believe and to follow Jesus precedes the call to obedience. Let me give you another way of looking at it. That the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom is a because-therefore invitation, not an if then scenario. Because of the grace of God, because of the love of God for the world, because of the reality of the kingdom of God, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of the reality of the resurrection, therefore, repent, trust, obey. What we see in Scripture is a response to grace rather than an obedience for acceptance. Let me say it again. What we see in Scripture is a response to grace rather than an obedience for acceptance. It's a response to something deeper and better, a joyful obedience. as, as you look in Matthew, which you know, Matthew one of my favorite Gospels, if not my favorite. Uh, kind of a fun fact about Matthew: Matthew paints Jesus as the fulfillment of Moses, a new Moses, where Moses, uh, where Jesus uh, goes into the is baptized, goes into the wilderness, comes out, proclaims the kingdom, then goes up on a mountain and teaches and gives the new law. And we approach. the the Sermon on the Mount, which is the the new law, as a more faithful way to be human. It is an obedience that leads to a more faithful way to be human. And what you notice about the Sermon on the Mount, and this this level of obedience, is not just that external if-then, it is an internal transformation that leads to new behavior. You know it. If if you've read through the Sermon on the Mount, you've seen this pattern. You've heard that it was said, but I tell you something new, therefore, go and do. If If you think about the Sermon on the Mount, it goes from external anger, that's not enough. It's more than just external anger, it's being obedient by dealing with your internal anger. It's not just don't commit adultery, it's the internal obedience of don't even lust not just don't have showy faith, but it's that internal life of prayer. It's a deeper internal obedience that is a response to grace instead of an if-then scenario. I think you can say it like this. Another way of, even another way of looking at it, the Sermon on the Mount and all of the call of obedience in Scripture is the fruit of of trusting and following and being loved and formed by God and His Word. In other words, the Spirit, I mean the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is descriptive, not prescriptive. Again, it is describing something instead of prescribing something. It is, it is describing the ongoing fruit of, in, of what happens when we intentionally walk and in are informed. By the call of God and the word of God, it is the fruit of that commitment and faith. Does that make sense? It is the fruit. For instance, we see this in other parts of scripture. I'm doing a wedding here in a few weeks, and usually in, in most weddings, they, they, want us, they want you to read the, the famous love chapter in 1 in, uh, Corinthians, Corinthians 13. You know it. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not bother. That is describing what love looks like in everyday life. It is not a prescription of what you need to do in order to be loving. Another example in Paul, Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. We know it. Say it with me if you know it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Can I get them all? Hope so. You get the point. Um, these are describing what life in the Spirit looks like. The fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in your life as you interact with human beings on every day, what they experience in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is not prescribing to you what you need to do to make sure you're living faithfully. Hope that makes sense. And so we take that and apply it to all the call of obedience that Jesus gives you gives us. That obedience flows out of our time of being with Jesus and being formed by the Word. It is the fruit of that time, which is a reminder and a call to us to be very intentional about about working on our own time of prayer and Scripture and community and worship so that the Spirit is forming us so that, we, so that we do become more obedient and that we, it is a joyful obedience. So another fun fact about Matthew, uh, and I didn't come up with this on my own. I learned this from a, another smart person many years ago that I read, but ever since I've read, I'm like, and that makes so much sense. In Matthew, in the beginning of Matthew, uh, it's in, in Matthew one twenty three, Jesus is referred to as Emmanuel, God with us. At the very end, in the, in the verse that Pam read, says, and, and remember, I will be with you until the end of this age. All of Matthew, in this call of obedience to follow, to do what Jesus did, the recurring theme of Matthew is that God is with us every step of the way, empowering us and equipping us, not calling us just to go out and you better do it, you better do what I've told you to do, you better earn your way, It is a calling to be with God and go with God and to be formed by God. In the Wesleyan Methodist, um, in our Wesleyan Methodist heritage, we believe about an ongoing call to conviction and repentance and responding and a movement toward further and further and deeper holiness. And it's this call as we move forward. continue to move and and walk with Jesus, as we continue to experience uh, blessed conviction and blessed repentance, we learn more and more what it means to be people of faithful and joyful obedience. You know, this call to obedience, I don't know if if people who are like me I'll confess, I don't like, sometimes I have struggle with authority, I don't like to obey. I'll even ask somebody's opinion, and if they tell me their opinion, I have this internal reaction of like, I don't wanna do that, somebody just told me to do it. Um, so I struggle, anybody else like that? I struggle with that. Some people are more of the, tell me what to do and I'm gonna obey. For both types of people and all everybody in between, the good news is that this call to obey is not an if-then scenario. We're not called to obey in order to earn something. We're called to obey out of response to the grace of God in the life of Jesus. That we get to be part of that, the kingdom life and kingdom obedience. It's because of grace that it is possible for us to live a life of joyful obedience. And I think, and I believe, or I wouldn't be standing here, that I think we firmly can live out the call of Jesus to be like Jesus in the world and be faithful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Father, the call to obedience can be a frustrating thing. Lord, show us in our lives where this if-then scenario comes up in our own faith. If only I could obey more, I would get more acceptance from you. Free us from that. And free us for joyful obedience, knowing that time with you, time sharing scripture, time in community, time of walking with you, produces the fruit of obedience. Well, remind us that, and we thank you for your grace and the call to joyful obedience. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.